Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Joe Fortunato, and this is Bantering the Blue Shirts. And thanks to some very bizarre, very frustrating technical difficulties, I am talking to you from my phone, even though my microphone is literally right in front of me. Beth, Mike, my co-hosts who are always there for me, how are you guys doing today? We never we're have fine. microphones, so we're actually fine. God, I hate both of you. I hate both of you so much right now. You have no idea how much I hate both of you. Um, We're going to jump right in. We are jumping right in. It's been an emotional couple of weeks, I think, actually. I think this is a good time to talk about it. This is going to be the second time that we mention this, but when Dan's 10 came on the show a few weeks ago, we talked about how the next few weeks we were really going to see the Rangers' true colors. And I think we actually do have an answer to those questions now. But before we get into any of that, we're going to talk to Beth because Beth got to talk to Ryan McDonough. And Beth, was it as scintillating of an experience as I thought it was? I was running backwards up a wooden gangplank um, in front of a six-foot-one man brandishing a stick. So, you know what? It was scintillating for me, but I didn't have that much time to think about anything else. I'm also surprised by how long his answers were to me because, yes, we all know hockey jargon. I'm not even claiming to have gotten any real insight out of him, but I was impressed by the long string of hockey phrases <laughs> that I got in response to every question to the point where I kind of looked at him like, you know, whenever you're done, um, but he is a very sweet man, and like I said, the very fact that he acknowledged that the team's main problem is getting out of their zone, for that, I will let him off the hook for a billion things. Um, and I am very, very glad and grateful that I got to talk to him. Um, but, oh, my God, yeah, we have so many bigger problems than that right now. There are definitely a lot of problems. Um Obviously, these are good opportunities for us to kind of get in front of the players and you have to do your job as a reporter slash journalist and Beth did uh, both of those, particularly with your final question, which I think is my favorite question, um, which is just about, (laughs) you know, Rangers fans are extremely loyal, but they can also be harsh critics and what do you wish fans knew about this group of players? And it's funny because his answer is relatively cliche. Like, this group continues to work. We've proven ourselves that we can come back in any game and no matter what the score is, don't lose faith in us because we certainly don't lose faith in each other. And that's definitely a good thing to hear. And, again, even though we're really talking about player speak, there are teams that turn on each other towards the end, just not a good room, and it's rare, but it does happen. So to at least get a somewhat honest answer out of him for a few different things, including that one of their main issues is not being able to get out of his own, is a victory that uh, will obviously take and we're kind of seeing things get to kind of become maybe not incredibly dramatic, but there's definitely things are coming to a head with the Rangers' current struggles. And uh, to at least have him acknowledge the same things we see is is a good thing. Go ahead. Uh, I asked Nash actually the same question the last time I talked to him, and it was a Lego event. And he said, well, I think everyone should buy Legos. (laughs) I kind of looked at him like, are you kidding me? And he sort of looked back, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not writing that. (laughs) Well, you should have written it because it was the greatest answer of all time. (laughs) 
In fact, well, that was really... the funny thing was that he had actually given some, let's be honest, realer answers than I got yesterday. But then when I asked him that question, which I'm always really interested in, you know, because I know we're a, har- a harsh fan base. And he was like, well, you know, they should just all go out and buy Legos. I was just like, yeah, no, that's no, 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 no. But of that course, kind it was of the end. It, it, if you think about it, he's the perfect like PR player. He never gets in trouble. You never hear about him. He goes out and he does yeah. his job. It is what it is. For him to respond at a PR event about Legos, just go buy Legos, is actually, <laughs> I have far more respect for him now than I did moments ago, and I had a hell of a lot of respect for him moments ago. Um, Mike, before we get to you, because we kind of boxed you out of these first five minutes, I was so frustrated with the lack of a working microphone that I forgot to tell you all that this show is sponsored by Patreon and our lovely Patreon supporters. And if you go to the story Woo! telling you about today's show, you will see Mike put together a spectacular banner bantering the Blue Shirts, a Blue Shirt Banter podcast radio show thing with a crab on it. And it is just absolutely spectacular. We would like to let you know that, as always, Anthony Viola, Dan Lynch, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, Michael Silvers, who is also not in the chat room. This is the second time in a row. Uh, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, and Nicholas Forlenza all donated, and we appreciate them a lot. And they're the reason why we're here. That and our love for the Rangers. Thank you all. Thank you. Like why are you calling out a guy on not being here two days in a row? Or two because weeks in a row, he, it was his daughter's birthday last time. We wished her a happy birthday. He's going to a Weezer's concert tonight. I know. There's obviously know, better things out there. You know a lot about this man's life. Well, he told <laughs> me because he loves the show yeah. that much. And that's why you should also donate, because you love this show. And if you do, we'll put you on, we'll tell you things, we'll write something about you maybe, we could do a special podcast about you, it depends. Go to patreon.com slash Panther, and you can figure it all out. Uh, Mike, anything you want to throw in for the first six minutes, since we went totally off the rails? I I like Legos. I also (laughs) like Legos. Well, oh my I really god, like the I big lied, Legos. I lied, it's not Legos, it's Playmobil. Oh, oh my, my god, god. Shatner. Shatner. Playmobil, everyone buy Playmobil, Rangers do Playmobil. There's the big uh, Zuccarello-looking Playmobil outside of a couple oh toy stores god. in uh, New York City. You've totally and, um, ruined. Yeah, we, you I know really what? did, no. but they're not sponsoring us, so you know what, it's okay. I'm sending a bill to Lego because way we to dig the, gave Way Legos. to dig the hole deeper, Mike. We we gave Legos a nice little advertisement, and uh, they didn't deserve it. They did not deserve mm-hmm. it at all. Well, I saw you, Lisa. I thought you were doing um, All right, so here's the deal, gang. Like I said in the beginning, we, we talked about how this the next couple of weeks were going to be really telling for the Rangers, and they have been, but not necessarily in a good way. The past three games, the Rangers lost the Buffalo <clears throat> in what may have been one of the worst possession games of all time. They beat Carolina with another one of those third period uh, is the only period we're going to play moments. And then they pretty thoroughly dominated the New York Islanders, but were down two forwards. Um, my wife is home, that's why the dog is barking. We're down two forwards and <laughs> lost because uh, Yaroslav Halak was standing on his head. Mike, since you've been boxed out, thoughts on whether or not we're seeing – the true New York Rangers, or do you think injuries play a big part of this? Do you think injuries play a little part of this? I mean, thoughts on all that? Well, I think it's it's uh, it's kind of tough to 
kind of diagnose what rangers and the real rangers, but um, and that's in part really due to the injuries. I mean, it's now, you know, it's gotten to the point where Pumple was, oh, you know, Matt Pumple is a little bit better, I think, than most of us are expecting to be, and then, you know, he gets a cross-check in the face and gets a concussion, and you know, we have yet another guy hitting, you know, on the, on the IR. I, I don't think he's been put on the IR yet proper, but it seems pretty clear that he's been a missed time. And then, of course, the Nash getting, you know, the, the week-long uh, groin injury and BC's day-to-day now. And, you know, Booch and Zabinajad and, you know, the obviously starting to, bodies starting to pile up a little bit, but um, I think the my biggest takeaway from the last time we talked on the podcast was, uh, and it's it's really interesting because it's a point I wanted to bring up that uh, on December fifth, ESPN, you know, they do a like an NHL power ranking, and two weeks ago the Rangers were third, and since then they've on December fifth the Rangers moved up to second. That's Canadians Rangers in terms of the, you know, very vague power rankings of ESPN. And it's got me thinking really like, uh, you know, I think there are the people who see what the Rangers have looked like in terms of the box score and goals for, goals against, their records, yada, yada, yada. And then there's the people who are watching the team and really seeing how how frail and or really fragile the the success of the team has looked right now. And, you know, the you can point to a couple things, the things I wanted to bring up, um, and I know I'm already off on a tangent, but you did keep me quiet. And now this is the way of rebelling. My <laughs> um, goes forever. But, uh, you know, the Rangers were head, you know, head and shoulders ahead of other teams and, you know, PDO at five on five, and now they're, you know, starting to – they're still very high. I think 103.8 in Chicago is right – you know, nipping at the heels, and but the Rangers are still, you know, shooting as a team over 10%. I think it's 11%, uh, an even strength shooting percentage. And, you know, a lot of people are freaking out, particularly about Lundqvist. And I think that's something I want to talk about tonight is, uh, you know, there's so much bizarre... Like the relationship Rangers have with Lundqvist is one of the most fascinating in sports to me um, between a fan base and an athlete. Yep. So there are those who look at him as this kind of flawless idol who, you know, can do no wrong um, and acknowledge that he is one of the greatest of all time. And there, there are those who genuinely blame him for the team's shortcomings because he's paid so much money. And... They look at him as the best player on the team, and the team hasn't won a Stanley Cup. So that's obviously his fault in their eyes. And uh, Lundqvist has looked pretty mortal, especially in the last three games. Um, you know, the, not just because of that wacky goal he allowed against the Sabres, but, uh, you know, there's, you know, doing a closer look at the numbers, but I'll, I'll get into those later. But, uh, you know, right now I'm not sure we really have – are surprised by what we've learned about what the Rangers are because I think we had these anxieties for good reason. They don't look like a very consistent and talented hockey team in the you know in, the, in a very broad sense of the word talented, and that stems to 
you know, the injuries make make things pretty clear. But, the, you know, the lack of the injuries to the forwards, ironically enough, have made the defense look even worse. And, you know, that's the thing that's so interesting to me is I can't remember the series of three games where I've, you know, just muttered curses looking at what Klein has decided to do mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what the hell's going on there. But uh, I've talked too long now, so I'll let someone else talk. Joe, you there? I am. Oh I'm my sorry. God! Oh, let me ask. Let me ask you a question on this. <laughs> do we sleep. do we think that the Henrik Lundqvist suddenly looking mortal, and, and that's probably a nice way to put it, Mike. And uh, I have a bit of a rant that I'm going to go on, and uh, oh. I don't know if now is the time. I think the time is probably going to be right before the Tony time, or right during the Tony time. Really, hook the people in, but. When I look at some of the issues that the Rangers have had, I think it's absolutely worthwhile to make an argument that Henrik Lundqvist has not been the Henrik Lundqvist of, you know, the past, the all-world Henrik Lundqvist. And listen, we've been down this road before in that Henrik Lundqvist has had kind of quote-unquote slumps to start the year, and I really use that term loosely because here's my issue. If you tell me, oh, Henrik Lundqvist hasn't been all-world, and Henrik Lundqvist hasn't been, you know, as good as he's been in the past. And then you don't say anything about the defense. And then you say, mm-hmm. oh, he needs to be that way for the Rangers to win games. You're totally missing the point. Having the best goaltender in the league is a luxury. It is not a demand. So when you look at him and you say, oh, Henrik Lundqvist has been awful, this is ridiculous – I get very frustrated because these people are not necessarily talking about the defense, which has to be considered when you're discussing why a goaltender may or may not be on top of his game. And, oh, by the way, now that we're talking about it, Henrik Lundqvist has a 9-12 save percentage and a 2.55 goals against average. Those numbers are unbelievably high for him. It's not anything you see from him normally. But – those are relatively average numbers in the NHL. His career, he's a 2.29 goals against average and a 9.20 save percentage. You're not talking about enormous drop-offs. So to turn around and say, well, this is on Lundqvist because he's not bailing the Rangers out every five minutes, frustrates me because the minute you need him to be all-world, you've already missed the point. And, Beth, I will let you jump in on this one. No, I mean, that's exactly true. It is hard to watch Lundqvist not be perfect but then you have to think about why you need Lundqvist to be perfect. You need Lundqvist to be perfect because, as last year showed, he's got more shots on him than anybody else in the NHL, and that is not his problem. Um, so many of the goals scored against him are easily pinpointable um, to other players. And the like idea his defense that he's screen to... him literally every shot on that. there's one you know and it's I've always wondered about this because I can't imagine mentally what it's like to have to sit there look at that you know deal with the crowd and try to be a savior um, when you never see or hear a single bit of criticism against the men in front of you ever and personally noticed him getting a little bit, if you notice, he's a little bit more pointed after goals 
he looks at somebody. He calls people out now. And I really yeah, do feel like we're seeing a little bit of an unraveling, a guy who's just like, you know what, this is my legacy. Nobody's getting in trouble but me. And I'm not sure I can handle that. I mean, and this is funny because this should not be the case. After, I think it was the first goal last night, he shot Shay a look that honestly I, I think I would have wet my pants. And Shay just happened to be the D that was closest to him at the moment. And, you know, he knows this. He knows that his legacy is being sacrificed to a D that could be better and isn't by the choice of management. And you know what? I can't imagine what that's like. So, yes, we are not seeing Henrik Lundqvist, the superhero, but I honestly, I, I can't blame him for anything at this point. And, I mean, think about last night, too. He made the amazing save on that breakaway. What does he get right after that? A penalty. And then they score on it. You know, so there has to and be they, a tiny part of him that's like, why do, why do I bother? The, the, the point, too, is you, you have to understand the frustration because the ideology that, oh, the best goalies are goalies you don't even know are there isn't really something that, flies with me because no, when Henrik Lundqvist was doing things that no other goaltender in the league was doing, you were spoiled by it. If you feel that way and you were spoiled by it to the point where when he was not the perfect goaltender, you needed him to be a hundred percent of the time. You flew off the handle. I'm going to go on my rant now because I'm fired up. If you look at the picture <laughs> that Mike drew for the podcast and you look in the top right corner, there is a crab and there's a reason why the crab is there. Because crab people walk among us. If you truly believe that Henrik Lundqvist is the biggest problem on this team because of his contract and because he has not been all world, you are a crab person. If you think Dan Girardi is more likely to bounce back than Henrik Lundqvist is, you are a crab person. If you can't realize that Henrik Lundqvist being average may have something to do with the defense in front of him and the Rangers' continuous destruction in terms of possession, you are a crab person. Henrik Lundqvist is a top 10 goaltender this year in high danger save percentages. Now, those numbers have diminished in medium danger save percentages and low danger save percentages. And I would assume some of that has to do with the fact that the Rangers are still trying to block shots and are still causing major focus issues for Henrik Lundqvist. But I want to ask a question, and Mike, I will let you jump in on this one first. Adam Herman made the argument that a lot of Henrik Lundqvist's struggles have looked like him being out of position, him overcompensating, him not being able to kind of play that deep in the crease game that we've always seen him play. And is it an excuse, or is it somewhat grounded in reality, that he may be trying to do too much because he does not trust the defense? Well, I think at the end of the day, the only person who knows that is Hank. But, you mm-hmm. know, there's just from, you know, before before the, the show started, I watched, uh, you know, the highlights again from, you know, from the game against the Islanders. And, you know, the I think it was uh, Lad's goal where, you know, there is a pass to Hrivik who, uh, you know, bungled it, and then the Islanders attacked in transition. It was Shea and Klein on defense, and um, Hank, um, you know, Shea made, made a defensive play. There's a loose puck. Hank 
like did something that we never really see him do, which is he like attacked the puck with a poke check on, you know, on a, on a play where that's not, you know, how many times have we heard over the years, you know, on MSG broadcasts, you know, the patience of Henrik Lundqvist just, you know, outweighting people, you know, every, every shootout Mm -hmm. attempt ever against him is you can't outweigh Henrik Lundqvist. And now this year it's, there's so much aggression in his game. You know, there's so much, um, you know, at the top of his crease, you know, like uh, Eichel, I think it was Eichel's first goal, you know, where, you know, Hank, you know, was outside of his crease on, you know, the other side of his crease when, you know, the Sabres got the, the puck around the net and, you know, buried it when, you know, Hank just wasn't there. And I think those things are happening for a reason. I don't think it's because Hank is slower um, because he's a year older. I think it's because he is trying to compensate for, you know, the things that are very difficult for a goalie. Goalies can't, you know, there's a reason why so many highlight reel saves are those cross ice, you know, cross crease passes that a goalie, you know, miraculously gets a glove save on. Um, if, you know, when goalies are going out of the crease attacking the pass like that, it's, it's because they, you know, it's, it, not easy to make those saves. It's not easy to cover the, you know, the potential of the pass and the shot at the same time. And I think there is something to be said about Hank really looking so much more aggressive than he has in the past. It's, you know, it's not quite, you know, Mike Smith levels yet or anything, but it's, it's really kind of outside of his character. And it's, I don't, I don't know really what to think of it, but, you know, Beth made, I watched the same, you know, watching the, that first goal, I, I unfortunately forget the kid's name, the the emergency call-up for the Islanders who had the first goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when Shea just passed in front of him, Hank gave, you know, this unmistakable glare at Shea. There's no mistaking it. He was absolutely livid. And definitely something going on there. And ironically, you know, Shea is the one who's in the spotlight for this, but you know, I, I don't think it's any any mystery that he's, you know, not, not a, you know, like a, a regular offender in the grand scheme of things. But I, I think we're seeing a, a different look from Lundqvist for a reason. It's, and, you know, goalies don't really, I don't know. I, I would imagine, you know, that it kind of goes both ways, but maybe goalies when they're older try and, you know, read ahead of the play because they're not as quick. So they appear more aggressive. They're more on top of the crease, but, um, you know, it's it's kind of a younger man's game to be to to be def- like depending on athleticism and the ability to cover a great distance in a short amount of time. But uh, it certainly doesn't look like Henrik Lundqvist's goaltending right now. But with the point that Joe made is, is important. Like his his uh, goals uh, saved above average. He's he's dead even. So he's not he's not hurting the team. Uh, given the strictest sense of the word, is it, you know, that's, it is, you know, most goalies will save who are very considered very good, will save more goals than they're expected to. And Hank led the league in that statistical uh, category last year where he erased, I think, something ridiculous, like 31 goals that should have been scored against him. And this year, you know, he's at barely like 0.76. I forget what it is that evens, I think. But, uh, you know, he's already allowed... I think five low danger goals this year, 21 games. And in 65 games last year, he allowed six. So clearly there's something going on there. Um, 
And as Joe pointed out, this high danger save percentage is still great. Uh, and that's very important to keep in mind for this. But why, why are the, you know, the medium danger and the low danger out of whack? And we're seeing a lot of goals, especially recently, where he, he looks like he's out of position. But everyone on the planet knows that Henrik Lundqvist plays sound for this positional goaltending. So what's going on? That's yeah, I don't know. He plays deep in his crease, and I'm not – I don't feel myself qualified to, like, talk about his positioning. Um, and it's interesting because there seems to be a lot more going on around the net, at least, than there was last year. We haven't seen quite as many people left on his doorstep to slam the puck down his throat completely alone. Um, <laughs> maybe he prefers that. I don't really know. Uh, we know that he's been screened a lot. We know that maybe we've been trying to block, the team has been trying to block shots that perhaps should just go through and get us possession back, let him see them. Um, but yeah, it is, it is really hard to tell. And, you know, my sort of read on it right now is just how can you possibly talk about Henrik Lundqvist's failings without talking about the failings of this defense? So, yeah, and, and that's kind of where this all started, by the way, probably for me, to be completely honest with you, because I made a few comments about Larry Brooks' story last night where he made a comment that Girardi was okay and said, parentheses, sorry, veteran bashers and then kind of yelled about Lundqvist. And, look, Brooks has been one of the only beat reporters to truly admit that things might not be looking the way that they should. But I feel like he does it after it's pretty clear that he's not wrong and where he thinks that he's it's reached a point where he's safe to stick his neck out on the line. And it happened at the tail end of last year where he wrote that Zed is Dead article and then it started to happen a little bit now, and, and he did grill Vigneault after the Sabres game about whether or not he sees a pattern in the Rangers being stuck in their own zone. But then he turns around a few days later and writes an article that says, sorry, veteran bashers, which insinuates that there's really no merit to that claim. And that's where I take offense because we've stood our ground in terms of where we think the Rangers have been for the past three years. And not that we're mind readers, but we've been right for the past three years. There is something to the concerns that the analytic crowd is bringing to the table. And this hasn't exactly been the greatest week for New York Rangers Twitter. There's a few stories that floated around that kind of attacked fancy stats that just turned into an all-out war that we stayed out of. But the reality of the situation is you can't tell me they don't have merit when we've been able to successfully kind of forecast the way that this team is going. The argument was not, oh, the Rangers are a bad hockey team last year. The argument was what Mike put on the table in November that said the Rangers were never going to sustain their high shooting percentage or high save percentage. And then the wheels fell off the bus, and everybody looked around, and the mainstream media was like, oh, my God, we have no idea what's happened. This year, it was a much more complicated discussion because the offense was doing unbelievable things, and it wasn't just masking the defense. It was masking an average Henrik Lundqvist. So to turn around when injuries come up and say, well, it's slumped, or, well, it's just those injuries, all the injuries did is highlight half of your house is on fire. When the defense is being held and carried by the offense, 
that doesn't mean the defense is doing a good job. It just means you don't notice the defense. So to say, well, you know, the defense has been fine at Henrik Lundqvist, you're missing the point. I, I, and I truly don't understand how people who cry and yell about fan loyalty and bitch and moan about how you can yell about Girardi and stall because the contracts aren't their fault and because they've been okay, can then turn around and spit on Henrik Lundqvist. You don't deserve him as a goaltender. He is literally one of the greatest players to ever walk through this organization. And this is an original six organization that is roots back in the 1920s. There is no way. He does not go down as probably the greatest goaltender if they win a Stanley Cup and maybe one of the greatest players. It's just there's no way. The body of work he's put together is unheard of. The name of the game when it comes to goaltending is consistency, and he has been nothing but consistently elite. Look up and down the lineup. And this is where I get I have issues with the Vigneault thing too because a lot of people like to point out what he's been able to do with this team. They point out the great seasons the Rangers have had. They pointed out the great seasons that he's had in Vancouver. He had an elite Roberto Luongo in Vancouver, and he has an elite Henrik Lundqvist in New York. Mm-hmm. It is amazing what a great goaltender can do in terms of masking a team's problems. The Rangers are 4-5-1 and one their past 10 games. They've gotten out-possessed in all but two of them. Where do you not see the problem? And where do you not realize that Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich, when they come back, will help but will not fix everything? That's the question. Vignette I mean, said today that getting – go ahead, Beth. No, it's, I think you were probably just about to say this. I mean, the, the people who think these things are being fed by the coach who apparently needs a long plane ride to think about whether he should play Adam Clendenning. Are you kidding? Well, this is a thing that you need a plane ride to think about, that you need to think about at all? You have a list and that is not at the top of it? I mean, it, it's, yes, we know what we've been looking at and we have been right and we have not wanted to be, I think is the important point we need to make. We are not negative for the sake of being negative. I would be so happy to be proven wrong about every bit of negativity I have brought to the blog or to Twitter or to anything else. But really, if if, if you need to think about whether you're going to play Clendenning right now, I, I don't even know how to have a conversation with you. I really don't. Well, well the frustration there, too, is I'm not saying Adam Clendenning is the answer to all the Rangers' problems. I think he's an answer to a lot of them. I think he's a better answer to some issues than others. But it would be like, you know those doors that older people have that have like nine locks on them? It would be (laughs) like having one of those doors and some of the locks are broken and you have locks in your drawer that you're not using and you don't replace them. And that might not be the best analogy in the world, but Mignot literally has a solution. He does not know if the solution is going to be the best solution, but he knows that it's going to be a better solution than what he has and he's not using it which means that a coach is not exhausting every option he has to make his team better. And the Rangers have been in a tailspin the past 10 games. This is very much a renaissance of what the Rangers were last year, and maybe not on that level because there are injuries this year, and you do expect the Rangers to get a little bit better. But holy crap, Rick Nash is out for what they're expecting to be a week. The Rangers are about to play four games in six nights. You're now down Nash, 
Buchnevich and Zabanajad, who may and be BC. your three best two-way players. What do you do when they're not there to pick up the defense? And like you said, how do you need a long plane ride to consider, huh, maybe I should rotate Clendenning in because he might be an answer. Mike, jump in here. Uh, Chris Crater had four points since the last time we had a podcast. <laughs> and that's a good thing, and good things are nice. Uh, I just wanted to try to be the Mr. Positive for, for a second. Um, yeah, everything is bad. The world's on fire, and there's no more water left. The, How could they play hockey without water? There's no ice. You're right about Kreider, though. I don't know, Joe. Maybe they play roller hockey. I don't know. Well, you need to think about these things before you throw out these half-baked ideas. You know where I'm, I go with them. I'm sorry. Um but yeah, there's there's obviously a lot a lot to be concerned about, especially with you know the the thing that I'm that I'm dreading, and it was it, it just goes to show my naturally pessimistic view of the world is uh, I bet the guy who will be scratched next for uh, for Clint Benning will be Shea, and <laughs> it's, and it's not because that's the smart thing to do. It's because it would just kind of fit Vino's MO. I'm also, I'm not necessarily one of those people who I, I don't like to do the, you know what else is going to happen with this blankety blank coach? He's going to blankety blank do this. Like I, I, that's not really what I'm about when I, you know, analyze or talk about the game, but mm-hmm. like there's, there's so much to be concerned about with the management of the roster and the injuries just make it, you know, all the more apparent that things are not, you know, going as smoothly as they could. And, you know, it's, uh, I know I'm just kind of repeating things we said, but when the Rangers were, you know, had the, something like a 38 goal margin, um, we were using all the same language that we're using now that, you know, there's, there's problems with the team. Uh, it's nice that they're winning and now it's, it's not nice that they're losing, but, you know, we the signs were there because of statistics and because of, frankly, the eye test. You could see that, you know, the Rangers were getting by on an offense that was red hot that teams couldn't figure out. And then, you know, as we talked about on the podcast last week when we weren't talking about forming mobs and everything, you know, teams are starting to understand there's a way to slow down the, this, this Rangers team, especially with key players at the lineup. And now, you know, we're seeing the Rangers look kind of crappy. And even though, you know, ESPN will say, you know, they're the second second best team in the league right now, um, you know, I don't think you could watch, especially the, these last three games, and, you know, get any feeling other than, you know, there's there's a lot wrong with the team. And, you know, I know we don't, you know, we say it every week. I don't pretend to know more about, hockey and how to coach hockey than Elaine Vigneault, and I never will. But there is something very discouraging and frustrating about, you know, the, the player who leads, you know, granted it's seven games, but Clendenning still leads the team in possession as a defenseman. Yeah. And Girardi is, you know, uh, Josh Stewart is dead last, but Girardi is second. And, you know, they're both around 35 or 31%. And, 
you know, Clendenning is in the 60s. Of course, you know, over a course of a, a larger sample size, that won't hold true necessarily because no one does quite that well in a larger sample size. But why would you not look at those two numbers and, you know, irrespective of everything else, you don't have to look at contracts or anything else. And I know mm-hmm. when you're a coach and general manager, you do, but why would you not try and figure out what you have with this Clendenning kid? Not to cut you off, but here's the other problem with that. You look at the skill set that Clendenning brings to the table, which is a far more offensive skill set. Last night, with the Rangers down by two goals and on a six-on-four advantage, Dan Girardi was on the oh, point God. of the power play. I know what you're, yeah, uh, I know you're going to talk about this. I know. So, we have where, what the how is that and to your point, Beth, I get it. There's nothing you can do in the game at that time because you already didn't play Clendenic. But how do you not then say to yourself, you know what? We probably should have him in the lineup. Why does it take that conversation with yourself on the plane? And Mike, I agree with you. Shea probably will be the guy to sit if anything happens with, with Clendenning. Because in the rare moments where Vigneault has actually taken his hammer of accountability and swung it at Girardi or swung it at Kevin Klein, it's lasted for a game. And with Girardi, it's, all oh, we're resting him. And with Klein, it's, oh, this needs to be a wake-up call. Or we're sending a message. The only message Vigneault is sending to this team is so long as you're a veteran who has tenure, you can do whatever you want. You can play as bad as you can. And there is going to be no real punishment for you. But if you are a kid who I don't fully trust for reasons that I can't articulate, you know, and again, we, to Mike's point, we don't know what goes on behind the doors. We don't know what goes on in practice. We have no idea. I find it very hard to believe Adam Clendenning is nailing in practices or not yeah. playing well enough in practices. The past two games he's played in, he's had an assist. Against Buffalo, he didn't have the best possession numbers. He took a penalty. Okay. He also sat on the bench, or excuse me, he sat in the press box for about 14 games. So at some point, you need to admit that even if you trust Vigneault, and even if you think, oh, he's the best, the Rangers are winning, shut your mouth. And by the way, the reason why those are terrible arguments is because this happened the past 10 games. You have to at least admit that he's not doing everything he can to make the team better because he has an option in his holster that he's refusing to load into the gun. And it's frustrating because when Clendenning plays, the Rangers have an actual power play quarterback. They don't have to lean on Ryan McDonough so much. Nick Holden was on the point in the power play against the Islanders. I know Holden has pretty good (laughs) offensive numbers right now. I also know that Nick Holden should not be on the point of the power play. So what has to happen? I'm not even asking for an everyday thing. I'm just asking for a rotation. Girardi was supposed to not play back-to-backs. Clendenning was supposed to get a lot of time in November. He played one game. He played against Buffalo. He's out for the next two games. Now he's thinking about getting him back in. Go ahead, Mike. There's there's a lot of fun things to to keep in mind, especially, you know, Nick Holden, you know, he's got 12 points in 20 27 games. Holy smokes, that's amazing. He's also shooting, you know, 16.7%. And, you know, as a defenseman, I don't have to tell anyone that you know, that's that's like Eric Carlson level. Like, that doesn't happen. You're, you're Brent Burns if you're shooting 
that high. And that's not who Nick Holden is. And, you know, some people would point out, oh, Dan Girardi has three goals. Dan Girardi is shooting almost 20% right now, I think. So, like, there's <laughs> it's important to keep in mind, oh, Clendenning doesn't have a goal. Clendenning has four shots. You know, seven games, he also has three assists. So, there's something there's something important about that. Girardi in the last five years has two power play goals. Like, let's be let's be real about the assets that we're talking about here. And granted, I know, you know, the Rangers were trying everything and they were down to 10 forwards, um, you know, when, when Girardi was, you know, on, on the power play there. But, you know, there's, there's, it's a very frustrating thing just because it's not like, you know, this, this other option is, you know, buried in the minors where Vigneault can't see it. Um, you know, he doesn't, get, he doesn't get information from, you know, the minor league coaching staff, like, hey, this kid's ready for the show. This is a guy who's in practice. He's a guy who is, who's with the team. He's traveling with the team. He's right there. And this is a guy, like Joe said, who they want to work in the lineup, or that's what he said. And what have we, when does, you know, what have we really gotten a chance to see of Clem Benning this year? Like, is the bottom line is he's better than, you know, a, a seventh defenseman on most teams. And the Rangers defense right now, I'm, I think it's, we're all comfortable saying it's, it's below average in the league. This is a bad <laughs> defense. They can't afford to mismanage assets like this. They can't afford to not use a Clendenning when they have them. And especially not when even, you know, Larry Brooks just said, you know, uh, Kevin Klein continuing his, like, last season or whatever. There are a, more than one option for people to take out of the lineup for Clendenning. It's not just oh, Danger Artie's old and his knees hurt. We got to make sure he gets his rest. You know, it's, there's there's a plenty of there's plenty of excuses. You know, to rattle a veteran's cage or say, hey, Klein, you know, you're playing like crap and you have a Viking haircut. You need to sit. You know, there's there's plenty of opportunities to work someone like Van Denning in and on a team with all sorts of injuries to forwards. Wouldn't it also make sense in a different way to get an offensive defenseman into the lineup? You know, it just kind of there's a lot of ways to look at it, but I, you know, I, I know, you know, we, we've harped on this a lot, and I think, you know, I don't, I'm sure there are critics of the podcast, but I'm sure our affection and obsession with Clendenning uh, in particular is something that we'd get roasted for. But, um, you know, when you, you kind of look at everything without bias and try to figure out, you know, why wouldn't you try it? And that's the thing that's important to me is, the trend of the last 10 games has been pretty bad. Why yeah. would you not try to shake things up? A coach who loves to sit people and, you know, kind of juggle lines, put yes for fast in the top six, just, you know, you know, just kind of sit against the wall and, you know, figure things out. Why wouldn't you try Clendenning a little bit more? You know, what's so special about that group of these? Okay, didn't Sean Day have a natural hat trick this week? <laughs> he did. I mean, while we're talking about offensive defense. In the OHL, though, not in, not in the, uh, yeah. you know, any I know, but it just seemed from. like being tormented. I mean, I will say that, so Nicholas Jensen was called up this afternoon. Marek Rivick was called up the other day. The Rangers, I tweeted yesterday, which started a bit of a firestorm, semi in jest but sort of in terror that the circumstances really are aligning that Tanner Glass will be the guy called up. That is yet to happen. 
So you do see some shifts in mentality for some things. I just don't understand the logic of not wanting to see what you have in someone when, like Mike said, this has been a trend. The defense has been an issue. Vigneault, when grilled by Larry Brooks about whether or not there is a trend with the Rangers getting hemmed in their own zone, said he thinks, thinks there might be one and that he was going to do something about it. And the something was nothing, ultimately. So I, I just don't know. When you tell me, okay, you, you're not as smart as the coach. You don't know what's going on in the room. You know, this is why you're not a coach in hockey. Fine. All of those are very valid arguments. You can't also tell me you can't question some of the decision-making because the lack of Clendenning, and again, the fact that we're spending this much time on it, this guy is not going to change the world. The point isn't so much that he's not playing. It's what him not playing signifies, which is this yeah. AV special, yeah. special big take of I don't adjust well, I refuse to adapt out of my comfort zone, and I will go down with the ship like this rather than change things up. Beth, you have not spoken in a while. You should speak. No, I mean, that's why I thought what McDonough said to me was so odd about, um, damn, I'm forgetting the exact verb he used, about learning to win games in different ways. And one of the commenters brought this up. I'm not going to remember who it is, but, you know, he just said something to the effect of, it doesn't seem like AB is learning. It seems like the team is figuring out that they need more than one way to win games, which, you know, by this time is sadly obvious, but leaving that aside. Um, but, yeah, just even the way McDonough, who, of course, is going to be, you know, the captain of team speak, seemed to put it on the team to figure out how to adjust. He didn't mention AV once. And I don't know. I mean, is that odd? I, that That's a legitimate question to you guys. To answer questions about team philosophy and team approach. And I mean, is that odd to never mention the coach? Uh, I don't know. I think, first of all, that's a tough environment for like a well-thought-out response. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And if there was some underlying discussion about, you know, in his head, oh, I definitely want to make this comment about my head coach, again, it, it's difficult to make that comment in the circumstances. I do think you could consider it a little bizarre, but you're never going to get a truthful answer on the other side, like, well, our coach is kind of screwing things up right now. You're never going to get that, especially out of a guy Oh, like no, McDonough. yeah, no, completely. But, it is a little weird to say, you know, to discuss the philosophies and to kind of go into some of the struggles that they've had. Listen, the Rangers have known their struggles of moving the puck out of the zone for weeks. They talked about that before the Rangers started kind of tailspinning. And, again, the big comment that the anti-stats folk make is the Rangers are 17-7-1. Stop complaining. It's not so much about where you are but where you're going. So much of the cliche hockey talk is, oh, you want to get hot before you go into the playoffs. Maybe it's not being hot going into the playoffs. Maybe it's just having a sustainable level of hockey going into the playoffs, a good sustainable level of hockey, which the Rangers did not have last year. And I don't know how sustainable a fully healthy Rangers offense is going to be, to be fair, 
we don't know what that's going to look like long term because that got cut off at the knees with advantage of breaking his uh, his fibula. I guess that was almost a pun. Um, and <laughs> Luke Snevich still not being able to skate. And now Nash being out, Pumple, not that he was a big factor in that at all, having a concussion. The Rangers are banged up. You would expect them to improve. But I don't know if you can expect them to improve enough where this defense is not a problem. And I also don't know how you don't look at what's happening and think to yourself, oh, thank God this is highlighting a problem. Maybe the Rangers brass will notice. Because they haven't, and they didn't last year. And they let Yandel walk for nothing. And now we're here. And that's frustrating. This podcast was much darker than I thought it was going to be, to be completely honest with you. It was very serious. There was a lot of anger. No one mentioned law and order. back to the we don't want to be right about this thing. We don't want this playoffs to be a repeat of last year. We want to see that it's not going to be. And we're not seeing that yet. I don't want to see this team lose. I don't want to see this team play badly. Believe me when I tell you, if Girardi went out and had an an unbelievable year, I would be the first person to tell you that I was wrong. Hell yeah. But that's not happening because that's not reality. I love when crab people say, you just hate the Rangers, you hate them, you want them to lose, and then those same people threw Clendenning taking the penalty that led to the game-time goal against Buffalo in my face. You are literally what you are yelling at me about, and I am not that person. We run a website where we believe analytics play a critical role in hockey. That's all. You don't have to read the site. You don't have to listen to the podcast. You don't have to donate to the Patreon. You don't have to do any of that stuff if you don't want to. I'm not getting involved in those wars anymore on social media because it doesn't help anybody. If in today's day and age you elect not to believe in Corsi, you believe not to elect in possession metrics, you don't care about PDO, you don't care about any of that stuff, do you root the way you want. I hate nothing more than beat reporters and people who are like, well, you're a bad fan. You are not a bad fan whether you believe in fancy stats, whether you don't believe in fancy stats. But don't tell anybody how to root for the game. That is the worst thing in the world. And the media is very, very guilty of this. A lot of the crab people are very, very guilty of this. Someone I respect is very guilty of this, writing an article about how analytics are taking the fun out of hockey. Don't be that person. Just root for how you want. Because law and order will come for you. And they will absolutely (laughs) take you down. There it is. It's full circle. Go get your pitchforks. Go get your torches and mill around Central Park. Mill around. Do something. I don't is know. Is Milty hurt? Is Miller hurt? Uh, he is hurt, right? He's, he's been struggling with an injury, but he's playing through it. He's got stitches that keep getting opened up. You know, him and Hayes have kind of fallen off the mark a little bit, too. I don't think that's an unfair thing to say, at least from the way that they started. Um Miller's a little snake-bitten. He rang one off the crossbar yesterday. It's a little frustrating to see. I think sometimes Kevin Hayes doesn't shoot the puck enough, and when he tries to be that passing guy, he ends up not putting points on the board because other people aren't scoring. Oh, and I feel like we should mention this, since we're all things are fair and equal. I love Brandon Peary. I think Brandon Peary brings a lot to this team. But if he doesn't start hitting the net slash shooting the puck more consistently – 
I don't see a long-term spot for him here. And I don't know yeah. if that's him going out of his way to try to make sure that he doesn't screw things up. I don't know if that's him trying to, quote-unquote, take care of the puck. But, I mean, have you guys noticed anything on that front? Beth, you can uh, kick that one no, off. No, I mean, he needs to, sh- he needs to shoot. I- I'm just I- – I don't think – and I- I'm going off a little bit, so-, so feel free to bring it back when I'm done with this. I mean, I whose like where job was it to notice the 40-second seconds that we should have had a six-on-three? Who should so have been noticing six on that four, yeah. Six-on-four? No, six-on-three, right? No, that, and that's – I don't know if that's bad coaching or bad player situational awareness. I'm going to say it's both. But you already pulled the goalie. It's a six-on-five. They took a penalty. You literally get nothing from holding the puck. Nothing. Nothing. It's hockey 101. You give the puck away because then they take a player away from the Islanders and they put them in a magical box and they're not allowed <laughs> out of that box unless you score or unless two minutes runs off. I threw so why would you leave I all threw five of their the players things. on the ice? I threw and then everything that was in front of Because you fired me up on a six-on-three down two goals with 30 seconds, you generate two shots. Zuccarello and McDonough passed the puck back and forth like they were trying to oh set up something God. beautiful. I know you're not going to win the game anyway, but you have to be smarter than that. Go ahead. I didn't mean to oh. take that over. That was, no, that was no, boiling that was exactly in me for a while. Going with that. You mentioned shooting the puck, and that was all I could think about was, oh, my God, what am I watching? I am throwing everything in my living room across the room right now. I just wanted to go on a blind rage. <laughs> just some type of, like, sick, demonic... Ancient rage. Mike, anything you want to add to what we've just uncovered? Uh, Brandon Peary. I guess we'll talk about him. I feel like I'm the least stressed out tonight. This is different. I don't know. It is much different. You've been very calm and composed. That's not extremely running around in circles. Um, It's it's an interesting thing for Peary. Um, I'll just try and steer us away from some icebergs here for a while. But uh, <laughs> the interesting thing about Peary, you know, he's been in the lineup all, you know, all 27 games, and it's no secret that he didn't have this kind of opportunity last season, you know, when he spent the year with Florida and Anaheim. And the, the I just while you guys were, you know, yelling at, at the night seeing ghosts, I was doing quick math to see, you know, how many shots he was shooting per game compared to last season, and it's a pretty big, pretty big dip. With the Rangers, it's you know, granted, uh, you know, he's also getting 12, 50, you know, 12 minutes, 53 seconds of ice time, you know, in his role. But, you know, it's 1.4 shots a game versus, you know, a little over two shots a game last season. Mm. You know, when he's on the ice and especially on the power play, everyone knows why Brandon Peary is there. It's important that Brandon Peary knows why he's there. You know, he's he's got to be the guy who pulls the trigger. And, you know, yeah. he had – he did so great early, and you know we were all freaking out. But you know, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know if off the top of your head, you know, if, if you guys can guess when the last time he scored a goal is, because I I know the game, but you know, November fifteenth was the last time Fury scored a goal. So, um, and in that span, he also, since November fifteenth, he doesn't have a point. And you know, we we don't just measure players on, you know, goals and assists, but that's a, a pretty long stretch of games for. For a guy who's really fighting for a regular roster spot, but he's 
you know, he hasn't been given all the leash in the world in, in regards to ice time, certainly. So, you know, there are games when Vino literally plays in, you know, 12 minutes. But it's also, you know, he's he's in the lineup every night. And granted, with all the injuries, he's, he's going to be. But it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, the team made some decisions at a training camp. And, you know, they, they saw, you know, of course, we all know what happened to poor little Gerbner, but, you know, the team made a decision. They, they, liked what they, <laughs> they liked what they saw at a period enough, and he's Kevin one of Lunkin the guys. Where, are on an island somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Sweet, sweet. Where did he go? Germany? Uh, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. Well, I think of all the power play options, Peary was the one most damaged by Zibanejad getting hurt because they're opposite oh, yeah. shots. Yeah. And if you put both of them at the face-off circle, one of them is going to be open for one of those Alexander Ovechkin shots. And yep. other teams have been able to definitely cheat on Peary a little bit more because the Rangers have no right-handed shot on the off wing with Zibanejad out. So I definitely understand some of that frustration. But again, just you have to shoot the puck. The puck's not going to go in on its own. And I'm wondering, you know, this now... Now I'm admitting this is kind of conspiracy theory, but whatever. I'm wondering if part of the reason why Peary is trying is not shooting the puck as much is because he doesn't want to miss the net. He doesn't want to do one of those shots that hits the corner and comes out. He doesn't want to be out of position defensively because a big part of why he may or may not have made the team to start the year was because there was a perception that he was not good away from the puck. And the reality is, even with everybody healthy, Peary is still the best option even as the 12th forward, because he has a scoring touch that Lindbergh really doesn't have. <laughs> Depending on the circumstance, I'd probably keep fast in from a defensive position. I think Perry is a better hockey player, all in all. And Vigneault obviously disagrees with that, but whatever. Um, you know, you need those, those opportunities to kind of come find yourself. I don't know if that's him overcompensating, or if it's just him struggling. And for him to not have a point in, well, coming on a month now, yeah, that's a that's a pretty serious problem. But we've seen a lot of players fall off. There was a period of time where the Rangers had, like, four of the top ten point scorers in the league. Now they don't, and it's not even really close. Michael Grabner's cooled off quite a bit. Um, like we said before, Hayes and Miller have kind of cooled off. The Rangers' offense as a whole has not been as dominant. That you can definitely pin on Zibanejad and Buchnevich being injured. But I also think it's a bit of an issue when the defense is getting their heads kicked every day. And, you know, it's a two, it's a double-edged sword. It really is. When the defense isn't doing their job, they're not getting the puck to the offense. When the offense isn't doing their job, there's more pressure on the defense, and it is a never-ending cycle. And it sucks. And it's what's been happening. And it's why there's frustration. It's why the Rangers are losing games. It's why the Rangers are getting out-possessed and Henrik Lundqvist either is the GOAT or he's the guy who's saving the day and nobody's talking about it. But I have not seen a lot to be super positive about. And I think that just saying, oh, when Zibanejad and Bucinevich get back, everything will be fine, is A, ignoring the bigger problems, and B, a crutch. It really is just an excuse. Beth, anything you want to throw out there? Mm, I was going to make an unfortunate analogy to certain political situations, but in the interest of a nonpartisan podcast, I won't do that. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I won't do that. Somebody else talk. 
Mike, anything you would like to add? Legos are still better than Playmobil. But, uh, no, like, uh, <laughs> it, it is important to, to point out the fact that, you know, the it just so happens that, you know, and it's probably not a case of it just so happens because the team as a whole isn't playing, you know, as quite as well as they were. I mean, if you watched the games from October, you know, and, and early November and, you know, the way the Rangers just – now, think of all the fast breaks we got to watch. When was the last time we saw, like, like a real series of fast breaks? Um, like, uh, you know, I was even, you know, Luperello, last six games, two points, you know, uh, Millsy, you know, I think one assist in those last five games or something and still leading the team. And you know, it was one of the storylines I was keeping an eye on this year is whether or not this year will be the year that Stepan finally cracks uh, 60 points and, um, yeah, he's on pace, I think, right now for 54. Um, and it's a, it's a spooky thing because, you know, Kreider, Kreider's been pretty great, um, which is which is a nice sign because he looks a little more like the Kreider we saw at the beginning of the year. But uh, Nash, Nash out of the lineup for two or three games is a brutal, brutal thing for this team. Yeah. Um, it's no secret. You know, even, even Larry Brooks was saying that, you know, Nash is far and away the, the best forward on the team right now. And it's not just because he's scoring goals. Uh, it's because he does everything. And, you know, it's – the team is really going to have to, you know, figure out a way to generate offense with, you know, with a defense that can't move the puck and with really important players that are out of, out of the lineup because of injuries and obviously Grabner with his – you know, his family situation and being with, you know, his family with his grandmother's death. And, you know, it's, it's all, that's, this is all part of a hockey season. Players get injured, you know, players are in the lineup because of personal reasons. Teams, you know, struggle. And, you know, early in the season we saw the Rangers just, you know, playing, playing giants, looking amazing. And we still, you know, we, we weren't buying, you know, the balloons and confetti yet because we knew it wouldn't last. And now that it's not lasted, it's, you know, we kind of, in some ways, we saw this coming. I don't think we, we, you know, you know, crystal ball that it would it would come because of injuries exposing everything, and you know, H- Hank looking mortal. But um, this is the time of year when when a coach does have to make adjustments, and this is the time of year when you really figure out what a coach can do because of injuries and you know because of you know four five and one for for a team that's supposedly the second best team in the league uh, in the last 10 games, that's, there's an inconsistency there. You know, pieces don't fit. And, you know, it's, it's something we talked about a lot earlier on the podcast. You know, many podcasts ago, all the players shooting, you know, crazy shooting percentages, they've all started to come down now. And that is, it is something to keep in mind that this is what it, what happens when a team comes back down to earth and it gets hurt. And clearly it's not a pretty sight. So, you know, Rangers and Vino really have to try and figure out what they can do with what they have now. And that would, that's going to make not using someone like Glenn Dunning more frustrating. It's going to make, you know, putting fast in a role where he doesn't belong more frustrating and seeing someone like Dan Girardi or Nick Holden on the power play even more frustrating. And it's, it's frustrating for a reason because those are bad answers to the problem. 
God, Mike, you're so I elegant. I miss the balloons right? and the confetti. Uh, well, I want just the, the final point on this, outside <laughs> of balloons and confetti are awesome. Um, these aren't magical stats. This isn't rocket science. Saying, oh, a player shot 12% his entire career and he's currently shooting 30%, it, it should not be a ridiculous no, that's leap not, that's to figure out. Stats, that, that's not metrics. That's basic, basic, basic Right. It's, it's the law of averages, and averages always win. And when you're dismissing that, when you're dismissing, you know, save percentage and, and goals against average and basic, basic, basic stats, you're just turning a blind eye to an enormous part of the game that exists. I'm not saying hockey is math equations running up and down the ice. I hate math. I am terrible at math. Mm-hmm. Math is the worst thing ever. But it is not hard to see the correlation between the two. And if you don't want to get fully on board, that's one thing. If you don't want to be on board at all, that's a completely other thing. And I don't know where the Rangers are, and I don't know where they're going to be, and that's scary. It's very scary. Well, this was wonderful. And by wonderful, I mean awful. (laughs) Last week we were laughing. We had a good time. We were talking about angels and demons. And this week there was only one Law & Order reference. Now there's been two. Um, And just depression all around. Yep. We talked about there Lego for a little while. You know, next but week we we'll were bring wrong. Funny. We wrongly talked about Legos. Even that is bad. Beth, yeah. what did Ryan? What did Ryan McDonough smell like? Do you keep asking well, now me this? Is weird. And all I can say is he smelled like smelled like ice in the outdoors. Because did you smell like the birth of his daughter? I mean, I did not get my nose down the you know the front of his. Uh, Rangers windbreaker. So. Okay, where's the Oh, boy. Did you congratulate him on the birth of his daughter? That was going to come up for me because I had a whole hockey donut coffee parent ready question ready to go because of the whole Dunkin' Donuts thing. But, nope, that was one of the ones that got thrown off the boat. So. I see. So you I didn't did smell him and you equally did not congratulate him on the birth of his daughter. I didn't congratulate him on the birth of his daughter. I didn't say anything about him being the captain. No. Nope. Well, the next time Failed you interview a Rangers so player, it's your job to smell them for me. You realize that's more to, dangerous for me than it is for you. You need to be more prepared for the scent aspect of the job. Yeah, we can I'll smell scent sort of candles. I'll just lightly on the side of Essence their arms to see how they taste, too. Make a lot of money that way. Bro. And then you guys can come and get me out of jail with the Patreon or however you pronounce that. Well, unfortunately, we don't have enough Patreon people to bail you out, but we'll come visit. Well, so that's, you some that's the new bill. picture of the Patreon. If you don't want bail in your bail, if you don't want Beth in jail, <laughs> you have to give us bail. <laughs> bail for jail. I should have been a professional slogan maker. That's 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 not what we're really looking for. That's just what I assume would happen if I licked a ranger. So, you know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're basically admitting that you would try to kidnap him, which I think is not good to do live. You're literally recording your own confession. But This is just you trying to make up for the pitchfork mob you sent out last week. I, and, I, I mean, not, Lord knows it, where they are now. I did not endorse it. I just made a recommendation that instead of using pitchforks where people could find you, you could use like a nightstick. That's all. And I sent them to the trees. 
Do civilians have nightsticks? Aren't they just bats when civilians have I'm pretty sure nightsticks are illegal. Little bats? For civilians to have. Yeah, you get clubs. Like, you rip off a chair leg, and that's what you use as a weapon. Yeah, that's what they used to do in the olden days. Cavemen would go to their elegant dining set and rip the legs off and (laughs) beat the crap out of each other. Is it a nightstick in the daytime? Well, they weren't really sticks. They were, like, legs and branches and bones and stuff, but... What you really want to do is rip off the chair leg or table leg and hope you get the nail sticking out of it, because then you have a modern version of the med- medieval mace. It's true. And depending on the time that you're in, if you ever get into a time machine, you may have more technology in your hands than anyone else does. No. The nail sticking out of it. You really have to just put nails in everything. This way, if you ever have to rip something off, it will always have a nail in it. I'm dragging us back. Are we making the playoffs or not? Mm, yes. I can't see them not making the playoffs. They're going to make How the many playoffs. rounds? One. Yes, At they are going to make one. the playoffs. I agree. One. One, one round. Yeah. I'm going to say one round. I refuse uh-huh. to answer the question of how many rounds. But well, I, I will I ask you this because I, I want to try what Beth just did. And it's, I think this is important for everyone emotionally and perhaps spiritually, dare I say. Name one positive thing about the Rangers right now. Joe, we'll start Beth, with you. We'll start with you since you never <laughs> ever take a stance on anything. Joe, we'll start oh with you. Oh, my God, that is Beth, we'll so completely you. untrue. I am all stances. I am all stance all the time. I never sit down. I have so many stances. And Your my stance one positive is not thing, taking a stance. I don't think that's true. Mike, do you think that's that, true? Do you think I never take a stance? I don't think stance? that's true at all. I, I think Joe is full of shit. See, Mike agreed with me. <laughs> I w- you know what? Now I'm going back to every podcast where we asked Beth to take a stand, and she bailed out of an answer. You know uh, what? I'm I playing it on next week's on, show. I don't take stands on trades because I don't feel like I have enough information in my head, and I don't. Yeah, no. You know what? That's actually the only thing I don't take stance on. Well, here's the deal. You've procrastinated enough. You need to name something you're positive. Kreider! Kreider, I'm glad he scored the two goddamn goals in that other game because maybe he's not actually dead and just a huge skating traffic cone. Oh, my God. We're swearing quite a bit now. Well, there's Tony time. Everyone has Tony there's, my, there's, right. there's my There's my stand. It is you go, Kreider. Okay, so, you do so more of that. So that stand is goddamn Chris Kreider. Okay. Oh, what is my positive right now? Um, it ain't easy. You know what? I'm going to go a little, well, that's kind of a cop-out, so I won't do that. We must come off as the most cynical people in the world. Yeah, we must. I'm not going to say Kreider. can't think of one positive thing. At least, you know what, there's, you live and die by, like, you wake up in the morning, the Rangers lose a game, you're, you're you're on the wrong foot. You wake up in the morning, the Rangers win a game, you're on the right foot. There was a period of time where we couldn't say enough positive things about this team. And, you know, now we can't. I, I guess the uh, my positive is going to be Jimmy Vesey mm-hmm. is starting to score goals again. That's going to be my positive. Jimmy Vesey is scoring goals again. How long did he not score? score he has more score? goals than John Tavares does. Tavares. 
<laughs> that I like is my Cabela's. positive. Yeah. But wait, seriously though, how long was the how long was the the how long was the snake? Like how many games, games did he go I without think. scoring a goal? Do we know? Eight. Okay, that's it was eight. that's significant. That was significant. Mike, end the podcast on a positive note. My positive note for the podcast. Uh, and I think it's important because we don't, you know, I think we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago here and there, but um, since the last time we had a podcast, Mark Stahl has scored two goals. Good. Yes, that's a good one. Which is that's a good pretty, one. pretty crazy. And one of them was a gorgeous shot. But uh, last last year, 77 games, two goals. This year, 27 games, three goals. And that's nice. And nice. frankly, I don't think he's looked quite as bad this year. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't really gone into the numbers as much. Uh, but and I don't want to start continuing this train of thought because then we're going to go right toward the negative thought. So positive thought: mm-hmm. Mark Stahl scoring goals. That How is a good one. That is a good well, one. There's no better way to end this pot, this cat, this podcast. Jesus Christ. Podcast. Yes. Um, please donate to the Patreon. That's right. We're asking you to pay for this nonsense. Patreon.com. My bail. Blue Shirt Panther. My bail for uh, King Rangers. Follow Beth <laughs> on Twitter at twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Maybe she makes stances and decisive decisions there. Um, oh, my God. Wow. At twitter.com slash digdeepbsb. Me at just Blue Shirt Panther. Oh, I don't, I don't get a little bio? Like, all right. Well, her bio wasn't really great. <laughs> it was kind of It wasn't yeah, great. Apparently, I'm indecisive. I have no I'm not even worried about I can't believe both of you are, are not on my side on this one. Beth, I understand. But, Mike, I thought, I thought you would at least. I have so many opinions. I am made of opinions. You are made of opinions. But I feel like when we put you on the spot previously, you've uh, – Sort of in and out. Here's, here's a secret, Joe. Whenever I say that, it's because I don't know enough to answer the question. No, that's not true. You're the smartest one here. I know, I'm smart about other things. <laughs> You're smart about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> there it is. Mike is. I'm, I'm the best at improvised weapons, though. That's my. Yes, my, you are. Mike is, is the best at improvised weapons. You should have weapons. seen the crossbow he made at the Riveters game. He is uh, a wonderful human being, a funny human being, and an artist. And please go look at the header on my Twitter page, twitter.com slash blue shirt panther, to see what what Mike drew. The crab is spectacular. Or just go to blue shirt com and look at the the um, reminder that the show was at 8 o'clock tonight. Well, thank you for sticking with us. We appreciate it. I apologize if my microphone doesn't work. I don't know how the quality is going to be on this, but hopefully good. Hopefully amazing hopefully decisive, full of stances. And if you ripped it out of the wall, maybe it would have a nail in it and you can use it as a weapon. Um, thank you for joining us. This is another weekly apology that we're asking you to pay for this. Um, <laughs> this is very like seriously. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this because you are, you are like a, a man that's run out of food on a, on a boat in the middle of the ocean. You're, just, you're in a lot of trouble. Well, you know, in these circumstances, water is more important than food. So That is very true, Joe. You know what? You called me uncultured on the last show. Open science book, Michael. And learn about water and food. 
and sun and the cold, unforgiving waves of the Atlantic Ocean in the middle of the night. Wow. I'm not saving anything now here alone. That's messed up. I thought we were boys. <sighs> you are my boy. Right. You, you pushed me out into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the ocean. You're not in the ocean. You're on the light but, uh, what I, Best. That's it. I am going to try and save it. That's it. You've you, you frustrated it. me into saving it again. Obviously, we know the Rangers are going to have a, a really rough week ahead. And the most the silver lining here is that there will be players like Peary and maybe even Jensen at this point. I, frankly, I'm a little bit excited to get another yeah, look at too. Jensen. Um, and, you know, I know that's one of those like, oh, is that what we're excited about? Right now, that's all we get. So right. get excited about it. We'll get to here's see what my, Jensen looks wager. like against the Blackhawks. Before, how many games do they have this week before the next podcast? Four. I think it's four and six. Three or four. Four, yeah. All right. Brady Shea is going to score a goal, or I am actually going to lick a Ranger. I'm, I can't uh, promise when that's going to happen. What? All right. First of all, no. just, a, just a little thing here. A, my name is Joe Fortunato. Mike's name is Mike Murphy, and we do not endorse <laughs> Beth Oakland licking a ranger against their will. That's no. the first thing. Hey, the second thing is you, you should learn how to hedge your bets just a little better because we all agreed a few minutes ago that we could totally see Clendenning coming in for Shea, and he can't score from the press box. You know what? There's no better well, way to end Joe, the podcast. Joe, if, if, you, if you thought about it for a second, you might realize. What, well, why wouldn't you want to lick a ranger? <laughs> and we there's just, our next I mean, T-shirt. Yeah, that's a, we just discussed that why you didn't do a good enough job smelling them. Now you have to lick them. <laughs> yeah, I'm the weird guy for wanting to know what a, a, a McDonough scented candle would <laughs> You know, I thought that was going to be the weirdest thing. <laughs> Beth flew by that. Yeah, taste are too I think we can make a lot of money. Imagine, like, you know, what a Klein Your Ranger scented candle? candle? Your Zuccarello scented candle? Oh, man, I would buy a Zuccarello scented candle. Are you kidding? Okay, oh, that smells better? like candy like, and happiness. A Zuccarello like loneliness on the holidays and mirth at the same time. A Zuccarello scented candle or a Zuccarello flavored soda? Oh, God. Yeah, there you go. That, that went, that, that, that's different. That implies well, that there's like distilled zuccarello in the soda. That's just wrong and bad. <laughs> if any ranger got distilled, it would probably be the smallest ranger in that. Would be zuccarello. Oh, boy, All right, oh, there's boy. no. Uh, we should end this before we get arrested. Um, yeah, before thank we're... you all for listening. Pay for this. This is a service that you should that you should pay for. Patreon.com/slashlucerevanda. Yeah, monetary support. Yeah. And if you uh, if you donate at the highest yeah, yeah. level we have, actually the second highest level we have you can dictate a special podcast that we can do just for you, and it can be about really anything. So licking rangers or... Including improvised weapons. Yeah, just maybe vitamin D and vitamin C differences. Oh, that, order. The angels, different kinds of angels. The angels. It could be about Lumpkin. It could be about Lumpkin. Survival <laughs> tactics when you're stranded in a boat in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I love you all. I'm sorry for this. Good night. Goodbye. I'm sorry. That's very seductive, considering we were just talking about like distilling rangers and licking and smelling. Goodbye.